I'm Bethan Garriman Merkel. And I'm Virginia Schutte, and this is Meteor. The honest podcast about SciComm with impact. Listeners, we invite you to think of this episode as a conversation between mid-career professionals during coffee break at a conference. Yes, we feel like there are lots of great spaces already devoted to SciComm skill building. So we'd like to share some of the advanced user conversations that, frankly, we're already having with each other. Because we want to open up these conversations beyond just us. We want to hear what you think. Today, we're talking about... Goals! Are they a life raft or are they dead weight? Seriously, goals. That word is loaded. It can be so abstract. Or it can keep us on track and inspire us. Yeah. Goals are hard and so important. If we don't have clearly defined goals, it's hard to assess or reflect productively on effort and outcomes or even time and money invested. For sure, if we're thinking about the business side of SciComm, assessing isn't even optional. We have to know if what we're doing is financially sustainable. And on the practical side, if we don't have clear goals, we're taking big risk. If we do a bunch of public programming or run a voter information campaign, or we spend a lot of time developing policy briefs for lawmakers, but we have no articulated goals, we risk our project not aligning with what we want to accomplish. And unless we've articulated what we're trying to achieve through that activity, we have no way of knowing if what we're doing even makes a difference. I completely agree. I start with goal setting for any SciComm activity. Right. And Virginia, you use goals, not just for SciComm activity. You've spent (laughs) a lot of time honing your vision for your SciComm consulting as you transitioned away from being a marine ecologist. So how did you set your goals and has that changed over the years? Oh my gosh, those are such big questions. (laughs) Thanks for asking. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I run workshops on setting career goals and I'm giving one in a few weeks and um, it's about setting goals and also how I decide what I want out of life generally. So again, big issues. And my latest career coaching has been about identifying goals as well. So. I would not try to teach y'all in two minutes how to do this, but there are a few underlying principles that I'd be happy to talk through um, that I always come back to. So first, when it comes to career goals, it's less about writing down the goals you already know and more about figuring out what they are in the first place. So I find that it's not like, oh, I want this. Let me just write that down in a detailed way. It's like, oh my gosh, what do I even want? So during my big transitions, like leaving academia and all the inflection points of running my own business, um, it's really important to me to have several types of goals, one for like the next three months, another for maybe the next year, and then another for maybe five years out. Uh, And then when it's a big transition, the three month goals become very forgiving. So maybe even as simple as make enough money to pay my bills or something like that. I give myself permission to not find my dream job or even know what that is right away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Give yourself some grace. I know we talk about that a lot. Um, The second principle that I would say I really want to highlight about the process and how it works for me is that goal setting works best when you give yourself permission, like you just said. Um, 
This means saying that it's okay if you don't already know what you want. It's okay to spend time thinking about what you want. And it's okay if what you want is different from what you wanted before. Uh, this last point is one that I struggled with when I was leaving academia, especially on the path to being a principal investigator. Some external force gives you permission for everything that you do when you step through this career. The dean and your advisor accept your application to grad school. Your committee passes you through your exams. Funding agencies will hopefully <laughs> approve your funding application. Um, and then once you leave that defined career path, you have to be the one saying for yourself, this course of action is approved. This is the one we're going to do. And that's okay. That was a really hard transition for me. Yeah. Setting your own expectations is a major like, mental and emotional effort. Yeah. So if I'm going to bring it back to that original question, we asked, I definitely use goals like a life raft. And as a freelancer, I use them to narrow down the possibilities of what I'm going to pursue next from everything <laughs> to what I might actually want to do for my job. That was a lot about my personal goal setting. <laughs> you and I set goals together when we were starting Meteor. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about what that was like? Yeah. So skipping all kinds of backstory, last <laughs> fall, we cooked up Meteor and we actually started out with an entirely different name. And then the process of naming Meteor became a goal setting exercise for us. We had to distill everything we thought Meteor could be into a word or, you know, maybe three. And we realized we had to tend to each other and this idea the same way that we would of any engagement project outside of ourselves. That is, we had to understand each other's values and then we had to establish what the shared values were for Meteor and we couldn't make assumptions about any of that. Yes, I thought the whole process was fascinating. It was so different to articulate goals as a team, even just the two of us, than it is for me to define my goals on my own. Um, and we even knew what we wanted to build together. And we have lots of inherently shared values. Um, there were so many details, though, even still, that sorted themselves out, I feel like, once we came together and articulated our goals together. Yeah, totally. And and for me, what's, what's so powerful about this idea is, well, yeah, obviously, it was useful and important for us as we built Meteor. But Really, it's knowing that being clear on our own values and motivations is crucial for any effective collaborative work that we might do in right relations with other people. We, we have to know where we sit and, and we need to know where they sit to do real work together. I think that's a great way to sum it up. I feel like the time we spent working on this together was first we go apart and we write down things for ourselves and then we see where we have shared values and match them up and make sure that we align moving forward. It actually took a lot of time. And I feel like this is not uncommon for it to take a fair amount of time to do. Totally. I think that's what's so hard about good psychom. And it's something I really emphasize when I'm teaching or training or coaching. And I don't mean good in the sense that it looks good or <laughs> it's eloquent. I mean, good in the ethical sense. Good psychom mm -hmm. isn't extractive. It's not about what someone's ignorant of and how science can just fix that by giving them more information either. It's about shared values and doing the work to understand what people need and want from science. I completely agree. We've been talking about career-based goal setting, but everything we've been saying applies to the practice of science communication as well. 
So I want to redirect us a little bit again. Bethann, you told me recently about how us working through meteor goals together changed how you work with goals and other aspects of your professional life. I talked about my professional life at the beginning. I think it's your turn. Yeah. So this process, developing meteors, vision, values, and goals is what made me realize that my personal goal setting in an academic space is something that I want and need to be sharing with my students. So for me, setting goals around media wasn't about what are all the possibilities out there? It was more like, <laughs> how do I make this possibility fit? Because I already felt swamped. I had way too many balls or plates. It felt what? like fragile, you know, oh, no. <laughs> plates in the air. And in trying to do, basically trying to do everything, in my environment. And, and I will say, I worked in a lot of different industries at this point, and this is a really common issue for entrepreneurial folks, people in academia, people in nonprofit settings. It's also really common in these settings that you have to set a lot of your expectations for yourself versus having clearly delineated deliverables or metrics. So maybe as a student, someone is telling you what you need to deliver and on some kind of timeline. But if you continue in academia, you will quickly get into a space where you're supposed to figure that out for yourself and you really haven't been coached or trained to do any of that. So for me, going through my own personal goal setting months before we did that with Meteor and then doing that kind of process again with Meteor was just really important for me to understand that making Meteor did some of the things that I wanted to be doing and I was going to find a way to do it. <laughs> so life raft, I guess, but I knew I needed a bailing bucket too. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like to me, I use it like a life raft to narrow things down from everything to what I'm going to focus on and pursue. And then I feel like what you're saying is life raft. Yes. But for you, it's like, how can I add on something? How can I make this fit and what needs to happen with the other stuff? Um, so we're using it as life raft, but in very different ways. And I, I think that's actually a really important point that depending on who you are, what you're pursuing, where you are in life, it can work for you, but in different ways. Absolutely. And I find that that's bearing out really truly now that I'm facilitating goal setting in the classes that I teach. And I'm even building a small version of that into invited talks that I'm giving at other universities and things like that. Because I'm where, where it's taken me is realizing that if, if we're not clear on who we're trying to be in the world, it's super hard to fit all the pieces together. And we have a harder time, I think, doing that good ethical approach to SciComm. If we don't acknowledge that we have motives and biases, basically, we show up in a room and we're not going to be able to connect the way we need to. That totally makes sense to me that the hard stuff would just get dropped <laughs> if we didn't have an explicit purpose of addressing it and somehow you know, dealing with it. Um, okay. So I, I, again, want to bring us back to that original question, life raft or dead weight. We've covered the life raft part. Tell me your thoughts about dead weight. Is it ever a dead weight to have or set goals? I think so, honestly. And for me, part of what might turn my goals into dead weight is if I set goals that are 
unachievable or I later feel like they're unachievable, but I'm not willing to reconsider them. (laughs) And part of that is taking on or assuming expectations that aren't relevant to me. So those might be more externally imposed goals that are explicit or implicitly forced on me by others. And so if I internalize what I think someone else's expectations of me are, and, and this is something we struggle with mightily in academia, right? Then I'm going to, I wind up feeling intimidated and it's much harder for me to get my head around what meaningful and measurable goals are for myself when I'm trying to meet something out there that I may be, I may be conjuring out of my imagination or maybe it's (laughs) real, you know, maybe I'm supposed to look like a researcher standard PI, even though that's not actually my job, right? So there's, there can be the kind of setting that you're in that can make goals feel like dead weight. You know what? I actually, when you told me the episode title, um, I was thinking about dead weight as well. And I came up with something similar for one of the more common ways that I see people not interact well with goals. Um, the way I put it, the way I think of it is that goals can feel very rigid um, which I think it, it really makes them the dead weight. Um, I advocate for making goals flexible and recognizing that they will change over time, whether it's an external thing that, that like you said, that you're bringing in kind of other people's opinions and, and thoughts, or whether it's internal, you used to want something and now you want something else, but you set this goal and you didn't meet it. Is that a failure? I would say that your goals need to be flexible. They need to change over time. And wherever you keep track of your goals, think of it from the very beginning as a draft and just always think of it as a draft. Or if that bothers you, think of it as a living document. So a finalized version of something, but it's going to change and then work in checks with yourself so that you revisit those every now and then and revise them. And I think that applies also to the the more systemic or programmatic parts of having goals, right? Earlier, we were talking about the I mean, we might think of this as the more mundane or practical side of goals where we need goals to assess a program. Otherwise, what are we assessing? But I think this is true in, a, it's true in a personal and those sort of programmatic spaces. Assessment isn't a grade and we're not very good about thinking about it like that, right? Assessment is to help us understand, are we getting where we meant to go? And if not, is where we meant to go, where we should be trying to go, or do we need to figure out what is keeping us from getting there, right? And and so I think that it's pretty crucial to, to have that flexibility and also to have that, you know, again, we're talking about permission and grace, right? To recognize that that assessment is a very valuable part of a process of living a life and that things are not static in life. And, and we just, I mean, think of it as reflection if you need to, not assessment. I actually love that mindset. And that brings me to the second reason that I feel like I talk to people a lot about why goals can feel like a dead weight. Um, That reflection time and building it in is such a hard thing to do when you're trained to go, 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 produce, you're always feeling behind, that sort of thing. Um, It can feel like a waste of time to build in the goal setting part at the beginning, even if you're gonna do the reflection at the end. Um, And I, I, when I talk to people about how to overcome that, mostly it's just like, well, 
suck it up. (laughs) The whole like, you know, measure twice, cut once thing. Like there's all these, you know, cliche kind of phrases, but if you don't take the time, then I feel like every step of the way your project could suffer is more at risk than it would be otherwise. Like you mentioned the reflection at the end, all the way through to, you know, how you begin the project, who you bring on board, what the methods are, what the timeline is. Um, so I, I feel like goals can become a dead weight too, if you don't value them enough to give them the time and the energy that they, um, could use to help your project succeed. For sure. For sure. So speaking of success and failure, there's one more thing that I want to guide this conversation to cover, and that is getting out of strictly professional settings and into the concept of work-life harmony, work-life integration. I know you and I don't say work-life balance because we don't like that it feels mutually exclusive, that valuing one deprioritizes the other. And I think we both recognize that a lot of what we do is for passion and not necessarily for money. If you'd like to give us more money, feel free. We're not opposed to it. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to cover goal setting in personal life. And I know you feel very strongly about this. Yes. So I, I feel particularly strongly about this because it's a new kind of endeavor for me in my personal life. I'm, I'm like probably most everyone else. I had things floating around in my head, stuff I wanted to do, you know, but it's the sort of, the sort of life goals to do list that operates like a bad to-do list where things just keep getting (laughs) added or you lose the list. And now you're like, oh my goodness, but what was on that list? And I really, I I knew there was a thing I had to do, you know, again, the dead weight part of all of this. So in the middle of the pandemic last summer, I started using a passion planner and I love it. And I think it was a really crucial reset for me. I mentioned that I'd been feeling swamped and was taking on so many things. And I cared about all of those. That's why I had said yes or had initiated them, but it was not sustainable. And so in the past, I'd set business goals. I'd run strategic planning for nonprofits. I'm even doing that right now, but I was not doing it for myself. And the passion planner from Angelia Trinidad felt made to help me deal with myself. And using it, I realized I had actually already achieved some of my mid-range life goals and that a lot of my short-term and long-term life goals were way more achievable than it felt to me in that moment. And the other part of the planner, the planner part, the calendar part has become totally key to not losing my mind if I actively use it. (laughs) On weeks I don't open it up, I feel untethered. I'm playing whack-a-mole with my to-do list. Those weeks, a lot of goals feel brutal and totally out of reach. (laughs) Okay. So to wrap this all up, (laughs) we both use goals as life rafts, but recognize that they can become like dead weight. And we each have reflected on this enough to have strategies that we employ to cut ourselves free. If our goals start dragging us down. Yeah. And As you said earlier, we can't teach someone how to set goals in just a few minutes. It's an ongoing process. Yeah, so I completely agree. Um, But I do want to leave people with something to do. (laughs) 
<laughs> that isn't just set your goals now. Um, so what I'd suggest as a starting point is that you can prep yourself to set goals by asking yourself why instead of what. Right. So this episode is under half an hour. So let's say you have maybe 10 more minutes to spend thinking about your SciComm goals before your next meeting or whatever you have to do next. So take five minutes, write down all the goals that you're going after right now. They're in there, they're in your head. You know what they are. Even if you've never written them down before, they don't have to be detailed. Just pick the things you know you're going after. It might be the next grant, more clients, more social media followers. Could be stuff that other people are making you feel like are a goal for you. And then I would pivot to why. So take some pressure off of writing all of those detailed goals by asking yourself, why did I make this list? Why are these the things I'm going after? Why do I want to accomplish these specific things? Knowing the why is adjacent to setting attainable, measurable goals. And knowing the why will set you up to productively work more on your goals later. Right. And it will also give you permission to ditch some of them if you need to. Yes. <laughs> if you really want to hold yourself accountable, talk about what you wrote down. Talk about it with colleagues or students or get in touch with us. We would love to know your why. You've been listening to Meteor, the honest podcast about science communication with impact. We have a short survey running right now. Tell us what you think SciComm needs or what resources you want that you can't find for your own work in SciComm. To join this conversation, leave us a comment or a review. Say hello on Twitter using at MeteorSciComm or check out everything we do in addition to the podcast on our website, MeteorSciComm.org. Talk soon. Thank you.